This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Told, speaks to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And I am on the Warp Tour right now as we speak. I'm in the back of my bus doing this this intro, I'm kind of in a bathroom kind of thing, so if it sounds a little echoey, that's why. Let's be honest, it's Warp Tour, it's craziness outside. There's seven stages going right now, uh, there's buses everywhere, people everywhere, it's it's wild. I don't know how many of you guys have attended Warp Tour before, it is definitely an experience, and you know what blows my mind about Warp Tour is that they're able to do it every day. The show wraps up around 9 o'clock. They're able to pack everything up, drive. In this case, we drove eight hours, actually maybe nine hours, from Salt Lake City to Denver, where we are today. And they're able to drive that, set everything up, and have the show ready to go in the morning for doors at 11 a.m. I don't know when these people sleep. It is incredible that they make this thing work. So I'm on the Warp Tour, and there's so many great bands, one of which is called Trophy Eyes. Um, if you follow me on social media, if you're a part of the, the Facebook group for All Access Club, you'll definitely know I have a huge thing for this band. Their record, Chemical Miracle, that came out last year was my favorite record of the year. I think they're awesome, and I was really, really, really stoked to talk to their singer, John, um, about the record, about their band, about everything going on with them, and also, of course, about Warp Tour. Before we get into that... Again, thank you very much, everybody, for being a part of this thing, being subscribed. Hopefully you're subscribed. Thanks for all the great feedback on my episode last week with Chadwick from 100th. Super compelling and super interesting episode. Um, I've, I've been watching 100th play uh, over on the Monster stage, and um, it is an experience too, man. They are such a different band now. Very cool to see them getting their new start. So go back and check that episode out if you haven't already. And yes, if you want to get in touch with me, it's very easy. You can email me. It's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Be sure to add us on all the various social medias that exist out there, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And of course, people ask me all the time, 
How can I help the show? There's two ways. If you buy anything on Amazon, use our affiliate link. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. So if you buy anything off Amazon at all, it costs you absolutely nothing, and we get 4 to 6%. So again, the link, real simple, leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. And the other way you can help is if you want more content, if you want merchandise, if you want interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show, if you want stuff mailed to you right to your house every three months, we have this option. And for as little as $6 a month, you can join the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. And that's really what helps keep the lights on around here. So I won't go into all the details. I do it every week. I know people are probably hitting the 15 second skip forward button right now. But but please just all I ask is check out the link. It really does help out a lot if you join the club. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Anyways, hey, let's keep the intro short this week. Here's my talk with very talented and very interesting John of Trophy Eyes. Close to your mouth as you can when you talk. Okay. Just because it, it tendency is to like some people talk and then they start to, and then like it, you know it okay, goes yeah. to shit. So if you don't mind, you know like you know when you're singing on stage, you're a singer, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. He's a it. singer. Yeah. <laughs> so you know like like you know when you stay, sit on stage and you put the microphone right up to your mouth, it's like it sounds good, and then you take it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But do you ever see those guys? And I don't, maybe you're one of these too. Like when they like they're singing the part and they get to the big note and they like pull the mic away. Yeah. Do you ever uh, see guys do that? I see it, but I've never been conscious enough to do it. I'm always very just worried about getting the note right. So That's I, what I mean, though. But yeah. I, I think that guys that do that, it's totally out of fear mm. that they're not going to hit the note. Oh, and yeah, that, I that, see that. That's why they pull away. I think that that's what that is. Yeah. I don't think it's like, a, oh, I'm going to hit this note so loudly and perfect <laughs> that like, if, if I actually hit it right on and, and I'm like right on the microphone, I'm going to blow everyone's mind. They're going to be like, this guy's such a good singer, man. Like... Holy yeah. shit, like, this is the second coming right here. Mm. So, I don't know. Yes. But, um, fuck, let's jump in. I'm with John from Trophy Eyes uh, on the Vans Warp Tour. Yes, sir. We're on their bandwagon right now, and we were talking about where we're going to do this thing um, because we're in Phoenix, Arizona, and, like, what would you say it's like outside? Um, I don't know. In Australia, it gets kind of that hot in summer, so... Come on, though. This is yeah. like, it's like 40... Well, okay, we'll go Celsius. There's a lot of American listeners, but we're Celsius yeah. people. So it's, isn't it like 45 degrees out there, though? Yeah. So that that is like... This, it's a hot day. Oh, yeah. But it's... um. I don't, I don't think I'm suffering as much as uh, a lot of people are, especially from people like that live up north or Canadians yeah, or I mean, especially guys, the England boys. You guys can hang. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, we've done... We've done seven warp tours. Yep, Silverstein has. Holy this shit. is your second, right? Yeah, this is our second. And one thing I was like, blew, blew my mind when I was talking to your to your tour manager, Saul, great guy by the way. Is uh, I was like, oh yeah, let's just like do it like out back by your trailer, and you guys don't even have a setup. You don't really? even have a hang setup. No, no, we don't. I, I, yeah, it's I'm like gonna... it's like I'm like okay, it's our second warp tour now. They should they should know about the hang. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we leave it. To, I've walked past your uh, trailer and. Uh, 
it's popping. It's it's really cool. As you got the, the lights going and the ferns and stuff, and it's really chill we do space. have ferns this year. Yes, we yeah. have live plants. They're not doing very well in the Arizona heat. No, I didn't think so. But, uh, but no, we have we have that set up. We've got a fucking Pelican brand cooler, so you know nice. we're uh, yeah. So we take the we take the hang seriously. Mm. But uh, yeah, this it's a surprise. Good. Like you know, one thing when we were got asked to do this tour, I was like, okay, I'll do it. I guess for the seventh time, but. Mm-hmm. I need, we need to have like oh I need a barbecue we need the hang zone we need all this shit yeah and, and you guys seem to just be content with like I guess chilling in here most of the time yeah well I'm I'm sure as things go on we'll get some more uh, we'll get some more like uh um like uh, fold out chairs and stuff like that and uh, maybe make a space but right now I don't know there's so many other places to go and hang out like I just kind of sleep on here and I spend most of my day outside anyway so oh yeah no that's cool that's cool so um. You guys did the Warped Tour, was it last year? Or yeah. two years ago? Last no, 2015, year? yeah. Mm. Oh, right, okay. And um, when you got asked to do it, was it like a no-brainer, we need to do this again? Or was it like, I don't know if we can handle another summer? Oh, no, it was it a no-brainer straight away. Yeah, yeah, cool. We, man, we enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, when you're on Warped Tour, I like to compare Warped Tour to a tattoo sometimes. Like, <laughs> you, you, when you're getting it, you're like, oh fuck, this hurts, and like, I'm I'm never gonna do this again. And then like yeah. a couple weeks later, when you forget about the pain and all like the hard work and shit, you go like, huh, that was really fun. Like I'm gonna get another one, and I want to do that a million times. You know, so it's so true. That's such a great analogy, especially because mm. like at first, the first couple of days of work, which is where we're on, we are now. Like we just played the fourth show. You guys are playing your fourth tonight, mm-hmm. and um, so we're still early on. So like, it's like you get the tattoo, and it's like, okay, it doesn't hurt so bad. Yeah, and then it's like you know. Six hours later, you're like, fuck, I wish, like, that's how Warped Tour is. At yeah. the end, you're going to be like, I just can't wait for this to be over. Exactly. But then once you have the experience, the tattoo, whatever, um, that, you know, of Warped Tour, then you're you're ready to do it again. And yeah. that's what ha- was happening to us, and now we're on our seventh time. Like, they've convinced <laughs> us to do it. We're covered yeah. in tattoos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, no, that's a really, really great analogy, man. Um, I, heard, I heard you're a Dirty Nil fan. Yes, massive Dirty Nil fan. Fuck, we, they're like our buddies, and and I, did you see them like two years ago? Is that how you got into them? Yeah, I watched them, them playing every single day on your stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I became like uh, I wouldn't say good friends, but I know the boys now, and uh, enough to go up and say hey and uh, and chat to them on Facebook a little bit. Like yeah, chat to them, yeah, uh, yeah. Just keep uh, keep in touch. And uh, I saw them at uh, Unified in Australia when they came down with uh, the other Canadian bands, uh, that giant Canadian band with down the screen in it. Oh, well, Lex on Fire? That's right, yeah. yeah. I always forget their fucking name. But, um, which I'm a massive fan of them as well. I don't know why I forget that name. But, um, yeah, I saw them with them. They came to Australia. Big, big fan of Dirty No. Cool. Yeah, no, no, I just, I just heard that somewhere and I was like, oh, shit. And, yeah. And, uh, they are one of my favorite bands too. And they're actually, it's kind of crazy because I feel like you guys and them had some similarities in that you're both from other countries. Like, you guys being from Australia, obviously. Them being from Canada, mm-hmm. they come, they do this kind of crazy tour on a smaller stage. Not that many people know, but meanwhile, in their home country, like the Dirty Nose just won a Juno, which yep. is like basically like a Canadian Grammy. Yep, yep. And you guys back home in Australia are doing some like kind of crazy stuff too that I yeah. think a lot of Americans aren't aware of. Yeah. That at home you have, there's a little bit of mainstream success, there's some radio play. Yep. Uh, all that stuff happening, which is like. I think a lot of American people just coming over to, to your stage checking you out, they don't really understand that. 
yeah. and how different there is when you have like a lot of success in one country and then another one it drops off substantially. Yeah, it's uh, I mean it's like it's hard to start again because we did the same the same mm-hmm. thing in uh, in Australia the same playing to nobody and playing shows that nobody came to and playing in front of people that don't care or playing in, in front of the sound guy only you know what I mean like we've already yep. done that in Australia and uh, you know just finally we're starting to sell out these uh, these bigger tours and the bigger venues that we thought we'd never really play at home and though that's like a it's a it's a privilege and it's not something we we would expect you know like it's we're honored to be doing that kind of stuff it still is hard again to come to the states and have people like you know you're in that impress uh that impress everybody stage again where you just desperately want people to come to your show and listen and give you the time of day you know what i mean and it's like a it's hard it's hard studying again but i guess that's because we're spoiled and we've had a bit of success in australia which is really nice so uh you know, you, I just guess you just got to do it if you want to keep touring and uh, want to totally, make a thing out of it. Totally, but I mean, Australia is is a very difficult market. I mean, mm. I say market. I hate using the word market. It sounds yeah. like we're fucking selling insurance or something. <laughs> yeah. But but like, I, I mean it honestly, and this is an honest podcast. And like, you're talking about Australia, which is basically five major markets, maybe mm. four, depending on whether you want to count Adelaide or yeah. count Perth. And like they might go to as one, you know. right? It's very difficult to have, you know, a self-sustaining career uh, with Australia alone. And there, don't get me wrong. There's been been bands that have done it yep. that have had basically no success outside of Australia. But if you want to do this, I mean, you what you're going to play five shows a year or less. That's I mean, right. obviously, there's other B markets and stuff, but like. You know, the goal I would assume for you guys would be, you know, trying to make some headway in the U.S., Europe, and other parts of the world so you guys can continue to to do this band and and, and have success. Mm. So uh, when you guys were starting out, I don't want to get into all that in your early life too, but when you guys were starting out, how much of a focus was there on trying to get out and doing stuff, touring internationally, um, overseas? Or how much was it just, it kind of just was the next step? Mm, I think that's a, a bit of both. When we first started playing Newcastle, it wasn't really in our minds to, to which is a small, like, coastal city. I know it two well. Hours north. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, it's, it, it's, um, it was never in our interest to just play shows there. We didn't ever want to be a local band. Not that we thought ourselves that or anybody like that, but we just thought, like, a, you know, it would have been nice to it would be nice to play other cities and see other shit. We wanted to travel with Trophy Eyes more than, like, uh, you know, do it as a as a hobby, I guess. Right, sure. If that makes any sense. But, of uh, course. Then, uh, you know, kind of subconsciously, we were making these moves to go overseas and stuff like that. We never really, like, sat down and openly said, like, let's go and play Warp Tour in America. We just said, like, you know... Uh, we just had these things thrown at us all the time. Like we, we never really asked to play a show. I don't think I don't still don't even know if we have. Like we, we were very lucky in that sense. Where as in like uh, we played maybe five shows, and these bands much bigger than ourselves would come to Australia and say, "Let's do this. Let's do this tour like neck deep." Right. And we were like, "Okay." And they said, "Why don't you come to UK with us?" And we said, "Oh shit, okay." And then it was all of a sudden it was Warp Tour. Come here and then let's do Europe with As It Is and like. Yeah, we just kept 
getting, like getting thrown in these positions. And not like we ever like said like, all right, let's go to Europe this time. We were just kind of like, you want to go to Europe? And we said, oh, fuck, yes. <laughs> well, it's cool. It's really cool for, you know, you guys saying like, and I've heard read other interviews and stuff where you talk like, well, like what, what is our band? And you're like, well, we're like, we're a punk band. Like that's yeah. what we're going to say. We're a punk band. That's our ethics. That's, you know, punk encompasses a lot of different styles of music mm-hmm. so we're just gonna call ourselves a punk band not a pop punk band or not a, a fucking post hardcore band or whatever shit you can label it yeah and um I think that that's cool but you know starting out your band that way did you guys think like were you guys was the goal to have was the goal to have success was the goal to have radio play was the goal to have this stuff or were you guys just it just kind of happened naturally I'd say it definitely happened naturally before we wanted that stuff. But you, I can, I can think I can say for everybody that once we kind of saw a little bit of that success, then we were like, then it started to come like, all right, well let's get two songs on the radio, or let's get, uh, right. let's get this better spot, or let's you know play this venue that's bigger, and like, that's when that shit started. And and like you know, we very much had a punk mentality when we started playing. We would always play absolutely shit faced. Didn't care what the <laughs> fuck we sounded like, always, and like I guess we still do that in some regard. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It was all about just like showing up and playing, and like we liked to. Well, I, not, I never even used to sing on the stage. We used to like stand in the crowd, and it, like we used to play floor shows, house shows, and right. like that was our fucking jam. We loved that stuff, and that was like, I guess that was the, our biggest, uh, I guess, punk sensibilities. We would we would uh, very much uh, a punk band, even though if we didn't sound. Um, you know, like no effects or anything like that. Well, if, however you'd like to compare it, punk you know? like punk rock and like I I don't call Silverstein a punk rock band because or a punk band because I'm just afraid of the backlash and Absolutely, afraid of people yeah. saying what the fuck you're not punk. Mm. But then people know where I came from and, and what I listened to and how I grew up and stuff, and you know, the way we operate is pretty punk rock. You know yeah. what I mean. So I think that that is the whole thing. Is punk rock is not music. Punk rock is an attitude. I guess that's getting cliche to say, but it's true. Yeah. It's definitely true. So let me ask you about your early uh, upbringing, because I know you're from Australia, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you? How was your family structure going up? Uh, did you have like a classic nuclear family, brothers and sisters? Uh, was it a different situation? And and how was music? You know, in your very early life, uh, I had uh, I had both parents and uh, uh, an older brother and a younger sister. Um, the my parents separated when I was I think uh, eleven or twelve, and then I, I spent the most uh, the rest of that time uh, up until seventeen when I moved out of home with just my mother. Um, but uh, I, I guess it was pretty normal. Like I don't. I, I don't know what a normal family is really like it's it seems pretty abnormal to me now to have uh families that have um you know both parents and everything's chill and everyone's rich and you like, say that's abnormal now yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it is but yeah. um well that's that's my family like i my parents are still together after mm. shit 45 years yep well, so, and you're right it is, it is awesome. not the norm yeah. anymore that's something I've des- desperately wanted all my life. I, like my girlfriend's right. family, so happy, and they have so many brothers and sisters, and they're very well off. And I look at that, and like I enjoy spending a lot more time there than I do at my own home, I guess, which is a horrible thing to say, but it just feels so nice that they're all such friends and uh, that they all get along so well. And 
uh, me and my mom are, are very best friends. I can tell my mom absolutely anything, which is a relationship a lot of guy, uh, guys don't have with their moms. I know, but uh, I got lucky in that I sense. Do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom's a really cool. Mama's boys over here. Yeah, absolutely, man. But um, <laughs> when I was growing up, the music was uh, when I was just a baby. Everything was Simon and Garfunkel and Queen and uh, you know Led Zeppelin, uh, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, Lots of, like, rock and roll and early, like, uh, psychedelic stuff and big, uh, like, the Beach Boys as well. Like, yeah, that was kind of what was being played throughout my uh, out my house when I was a kid as a toddler. Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, so I always had that appreciation of, uh, I could like everything. I loved pop music when I was a, when I was a kid. And I loved, uh, like, old classic rock and uh, 80s pop and all that kind of stuff as well when I was at school. And uh, I was lucky enough to uh, find Blink-182 when I was... Uh, Maybe like, you know, I don't know if you got called junior high, but we just call mm-hmm. high school. It's like we year seven. We call it junior high, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like year seven for us. But yeah, so was like thirteen, I think I found Blink One Eight Two, and then I just kept finding everything else. Like some people, were, people that play breakdowns and scream, and uh, you know, a band of horses, and then Billy Talent, and then fucking like everything, and then old punk, and like I found all that stuff on my own accord. But because I came from a a tiny town in the middle of nowhere where music didn't exist, and like. You have to really find it. No, so I came from a smaller town, about four hours inland from Sydney, and about like five hours from a from a beach. Anyway, it was just like, like literally in the middle of nowhere, and uh, very country. So, uh, but it it was hard to find music there, especially like there wasn't wasn't so much internet in the nineties. So, what was it like? Like your kind of your junior high, your high school years. I mean, I mean, it sounds like you kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere. You were kind of finding out about punk rock, but I assume there really wasn't punk rock shows. Nope. I'm sure you knew about them, like you saw photos or videos from other shows and stuff, and you were learning a little bit about it. But what, what was it like? Were you, were you like a good kid, good in school? Were you getting into trouble? Um, uh, what was kind of going on with that at that point in your life? It was around about that time that I think... Uh, you know, I don't know what fucking happened. I was a straight A student. I was good. I behaved. I was well for. I, I, I behaved for my mom and and dad. But I think uh, after puberty hit in and, and uh, kicked in, and there was girls, and there was you could like. It wasn't so hard to to get alcohol or cigarettes. Or I remember I could go down to my local service station. There was a guy called Tim there, and <laughs> I'd be like, Tim, uh, can I get a packet of Winfield Blues, which is the like a popular Australian cigarette. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, oh, can I see your your ID, John, please? And I'd be like, oh, I've shown you, man. Tim, you know me. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd give me a pack of cigarettes. Like, I was like fucking 14, 15. Right. And uh, you only have to be 18 to smoke there. But, like, that's how easy it was. My brother's friends are older. I'd be like, hey, uh, what was his name? We, his nickname was Poiter. It was our guy. And we'd be like, hey, can we get a couple of uh, bottles of alcohol for the, for the weekend? And then, like, started from there. And then pretty quickly that escalated into pretty intense... Uh, drug abuse and uh, bad uh, bad involvement with bad bad people and uh, me and my friends ended up getting into a lot of really bad trouble that circulated a lot with uh, the law enforcement and I had, by the time I was 16 I had a, a curfew a police curfew of 9pm wow yeah so, so you I, actually got in trouble with the authorities and, and quite a lot yeah. what kind of like was it what kind of stuff were you doing um all my friends were drug dealers, drug addicts. Uh, I mean, they're not anymore. I still talk to them. They're all cool now. Like, one of them just recently uh, got a really great job, and he put on a lot of weight, and has a girlfriend, and his life's chill. And 
I mean, we all came out of it well, but they're all drug dealers. A lot of violence, a lot of a uh, lot of weird shit. It's uh, strange to think. I was just like hey, a, weed, was just, weed shit. Well, weird shit. Sorry, oh, weird shit. I was like weed shit. I was like, it sounds a little more intense than weed. No, it was much more <laughs> intense than weed. There was a there was a point where uh, that whole area is called the Central West. Uh, in a, in a, or the inner west of uh, Australia, that that part of New South Wales, and uh, there we were, we were just in a very bad circle in that certain area, and that's when kind of like uh, meth and ice and ecstasy was really huge and uh, accessible, and it was around, and uh, yeah, there was a lot of police involvement, there was a lot of a lot of, a lot of drugs, a lot of a lot of stupid shit that was really really now that I look back and think of like how much of a, a baby I was like a like a 16 17 year old kid it's just so strange it's so how old are you now I'm 26 now okay so, so I'm, yeah. I'm so not that old but. so it's a decade a decade old now this stuff you still like um, you have like you actually had problems with addiction and stuff like that was actually a, yeah. a yeah, big I'd thing for so. you yeah. at that point in your life yep <laughs> yeah, maybe like 17, 16, 17, definitely, and then 18, 19, probably 20. <laughs> There's a lot of. Is this still something you struggle with now? Uh, yeah, not quite the same drugs, but uh, I definitely say I have a problem with drinking still. Uh huh. One hundred percent. And uh, oh, sorry, I fucking brought a beer over here. I'm, no, I'm like chill. the only guy drinking in the interview. Like, <laughs> fucking Medell, I look around and there's only cans of water. Well, the, so, the first five days of a. Uh, of warped to a, you could probably count the the hours on your hand that I was sober. You know, I like. Right. I guess I'm more of a binge person, but I don't ever stop. I go for a few days, and I can't really say no to anything. So, I guess that's still something that carries on from there. But um, I don't know. I'm but I mean, like, do you getting, like how, how much? You know, you talk about music and you talk about you, you know substance abuse and partying and stuff. Like that is a common theme on my show. I mean, that's something that we talk about. Like. You know, um, and a lot of times, I think of a few podcasts I've done, it really was music that helps people get out of the funk that they see other friends go through that maybe aren't as involved in music or they that don't really have anything else. And I know you said your friends are doing well now, which is great to hear, but um, how much of that, you know, getting into punk rock and music and all that stuff, and, and I guess you're probably forming bands at this point which i want to talk about mm-hmm. um how much of that helped with that you know just just the dealing with with substance abuse because i'm sure if it went the other way maybe you wouldn't be here right now you'd be like pardon the expression dead in a ditch somewhere yeah well that's possible especially with the people that i was involved with i guess but i think that uh you know with with music I don't even know. A lot of people say music saved my life, man. I think music segregated me even more because the shit that hmm. I started to listen to and then I, the way I started to dress because those people dressed like that. And I was just a kid. I didn't have any fucking, like, I, I couldn't think for myself whatsoever. Like, I wasn't a strong-willed kid. And uh, listening to Blink-182, then I started wearing the shorts and the socks and the, having my hair like that. And I got my lip pierced. And I'm in a small town. So everyone's like... Are they your sister's jeans, you faggot, and shit like that? Uh-huh. You know, and people like say that to you, and they fuck with you, man. Like, so in a sense, I was even more segregated by the choice of music that I listened to, and, and like, you know, the the things that I believed. Like back then, when you're a kid, like if a guy was to paint his nails, not that, not that I did. I've never chosen to paint my nails or wear makeup or anything like that. But like, who gives a fuck if I did? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. in a small town like that, like. 
you just you would just don't do that. Like you know, it, it's a it's a <laughs> right. I, I understand. And like, I don't know. I went back not that long ago, and I was in a bar with the same fucking barfly sitting there drinking. It looked like they hadn't even moved for five years. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. so what's the news? They said, well, some Indian bought the the service station down the road. And it's like, fuck, that's news for you. Like, is that still blowing your mind that people exist that don't have the same colored skin as you? Like it. It was, a pre- it was a pretty terrible place to grow up. Very backward and very yeah. Bad. That's that's crazy. I you know I think generally speaking, most people outside of Australia think of Australia as a very forward thinking country. Well, if but you live there in is, city, it's, yeah. it, to be fucking frank, it's pretty racist. Yeah, absolutely. It depends where you live. If you live in like Sydney City, then that's like that's a melting point, a melting pot of people. So many cultures coexist. Yeah. So many happy people, different ethnic. Uh, cultures whatever and uh, everyone gets along pretty well I mean like there's cases in which they don't but it's that happens everywhere in the world you know but uh, I think uh, I imagine it quite like uh, Toronto Toronto's the same way right? yeah yeah yeah. Toronto and Sydney are, are similar in a lot of ways they're yeah. they're probably about the same size even yep. you know largest city in a small country yeah and um, yeah no definitely Toronto's like very diverse absolutely um yeah, no, we don't have. I don't think we have a lot of problems with racism, but we do in Canada still. And yeah, in small towns, probably the same as Australia. Yeah, that's right. So I guess like, uh, yeah, to answer that question, I, I think music didn't really help me at all. Yeah, and uh, well, it's crazy. But when did you start playing guitar? I know you play guitar and um, yeah, singing. Obviously, when did that? How did that come into your life? Um, at what point? I started playing music at school. Started playing guitar. I think the first song I properly learned was uh, Under the Bridge by uh, Red Hot Chili, Chili Peppers. Peppers. Yeah. That's a pretty hard song, actually. Well, my brother's very good at guitar. I think I picked it up quite naturally. Oh, yeah? Um, all the other kids are playing, like, what's that Peter Gunn theme? Dun, 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 yeah, dun. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. And I was like, fuck no. Like, uh, I don't want to sit here, like, and do that shit. So I just, like, learned something hard. And then, uh, I don't know, then I could kind of play guitar after that. And, um... I could play drums in school, not very well, but enough to keep time and uh, be creative with it. And mm-hmm. but because nobody there liked the kind of music I listened to, or, or at least very few, there was never a, a case in which I could start a band or really write music that I wanted to write with anybody. And I was happy to write anything, you know, like any music at all. I wanted to be in a band with anybody, but I don't know. No, it wasn't quite the environment all the time. Uh, to to start a band I don't think and I was pretty like preoccupied with other shit I mean like a 16 year old guy like there was girls and there was drugs and there was parties and stuff so I was like you know that was kind of on the back burner that was least of my concerns at that time (laughs) yeah yeah no that's crazy but I mean obviously it ended up being something that became serious well not so when did when did music become start becoming like sort of serious I mean you still say like when you're even when Trophy Eyes started and I'm not sure how many years ago you guys started, but you were still, like, being punks, fuck, getting fucked up playing. Yeah. And that was, you know, just how it is. But, but like, when did it... Like, when did you decide, hey, I'm maybe, like, pretty good at this, and I should, like, kind of take it a little bit seriously? Because there's, like... No one's just, like, a total mess and not focusing on it. Like, every band has to get people that are dedicated and can practice and can play shows and somebody has to like get fucking merch made that's right and like there's all those little things that you have to sort of take seriously well I guess it's uh, I turned 17 
I left that town. I just fucking moved out. I was supposed to go to university, but still had too much of a... I don't know. You were supposed just, to go to school in Newcastle? Uh, no, in uh, in another like smaller city like that close by. But oh, okay. I never... I, I, I dropped out like in my first semester. I, I couldn't really do it. I just mm-hmm. wasn't prepared. wasn't old enough in the brain, I guess. And still too focused on partying and stuff like that. So uh, I moved to Sydney after that. Lived there for a little while. That was at my worst. And I think that's when uh, I was I was saved by... I'm not saved, but my uncle picked me up and kind of rehabilitated me and told me what was wrong with me and that like uh, I had some serious addiction problems and I had to fully start my life again. And like I had this like thing at the end of my bed, this piece of paper on my wall to say that... Uh, to mark my goals down. And they were as small as getting up in the morning and making my bed. And if I could do that, then I could write that down on my thing. And like, you know, uh, closing the microwave door when I'm finished. That w- then I would write that down as a, as a, yes, you did it. Like, congratulations. Right. And I had to fucking start from there because I was so fucked that was like, I couldn't remember to do that. You know, one of the just cognitive things, I really damaged my kidneys and and stuff like that in my brain. So, not permanent brain damage, but uh, it took me a long time to kind of come out of that shit. But anyway, after that, I kind of got good enough. I got a job. I, I got my, my head around things. I, I started university again in uh, Newcastle and uh, kind of just moved straight there. And uh, that's how I met the guys. They were looking for a singer, so I went out there. I still was partying quite a bit. I didn't really stop, but at least I, I learned how to handle it and <laughs> look after myself. But... um. I went to Newcastle, found the boys, went out to their, went out to Callum's house, our drummer, and uh, he said, uh, "You know, let's let's do some prax." So we sang some uh, newfound glory songs. Okay. And uh, I know it's hard for you. Yep, <laughs> that kind of shit. <laughs> and then uh, um, they were just saying, like, they pretty much said, uh, "All right, so next week well, let's write some songs." And I was like, "Huh, like fuck, I made it in." <laughs> Right. On the inside of my body, I was like, yes, you know, I'm in a band. But then, uh, like, on the outside, I was like, cool, man. <laughs> That's cool. I'll come back next week. So <laughs> is that, like, your first band, basically? That was it. That was first yeah. first everything. First and last. Yeah, first and last. Oh, I know you got another thing going on, too. But um, that's that's a cool story. I mean, like, at the same time, though, and again, I don't want to fucking harp on this, like, addiction thing. But, I mean, you've talked about it pretty openly. Um, obviously, though, like, you have the other members of your band that you're close with that are your friends and your partners and everything else um how much of it is like of your not sobriety but you're doing okay uh has to do with just this this machine that is trophy eyes and the success you guys are having and other guys in the band you don't want to let them down is that is that help you or or is it mostly just going back to when you were living with your uncle's house and crossing off things that I can do this like how much of it stems from that or and Obviously, you know, they say addicts are always addicts, right? And, and yeah. they struggle with it, and some people struggle with it every day. So I'm kind of just wondering about that for you at this point, how much of it, you know, where, where the line is drawn for you and, you know, in your head. Um, I mean, see, it's a good question. I still haven't, like, beat, beat it yet. I still wouldn't say I'm, like, a, I'm a recovered anything. I don't think I'm recovered it at all. And just looking at my TM's face right now, it's, like, fucking laughing at me, like, yeah. But, um... I don't know. Trivia well, you're helps. fucking able to have a sober conversation with me right now. Yeah, that's true. Talk to yeah. me. Yeah, and like you're gonna go play a show tonight, and you're gonna do fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, nobody's perfect, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's good to like, 
I'm not that. I'm not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's just always been like a a problem with saying no, and I'm not like yeah. totally fucked right now. I haven't pissed my pants right now, so yeah, like I'm, I'm doing dribble right. maybe down there. There's a spot, but it's There's chill. a spot. Um, no, but like uh, Trophy Ice has definitely. I mean, it's fifty-fifty. It enables it enables me in a way because there's a bun- there's a fridge full of free beer right there that I don't have to pay for, and there's probably someone outside being like, "Hey, man, you want to smoke this?" And I'll be like, "Yeah." But I don't smoke weed anymore. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. That it's it half enables you, and uh, and then also, I don't. I really don't want to let these guys down on stage or in any, sure, exactly. in any way, shape, or form because they all show up and they all play and do the same thing as me. So why can't I? Right. Just get it right. But I think the thing that's, uh, I don't know, I would give my uh, the the success in being. Uh, like stronger willed and uh, uh, now to my girlfriend I met her in California and I really liked her immediately as soon as I saw her and uh, California girls man yeah well she's actually from Texas there might be a, that Beach Boys song yeah uh, you know brainwashed in your head from when your mom <laughs> yeah. was playing it for you <laughs> and you're like I gotta find a California girl uh, well she was there from Texas actually she's a Texan girl oh okay okay but um yeah, dude. I, I don't know. Eventually, she said, "Like, you know, if you can stop like being you, pretty much, <laughs> you can stop. Just like, just change everything about yourself, and yeah. I'll be with you. Perfect. <laughs> Look at the same, but do everything differently. Well, that's that's, that's kind of what I was. She said, "No, no more like fighting or drugs or drinking or normal girls. Just be a normal fucking human being, and then we'll talk about it." So I did for a while. And uh, we started going out. And now, like, you know, I still uh, have the occasional uh, slip up here and there with, like, drugs or alcohol, but um, that's about it. Everything else, I'm, I'm like, I'm just like a normal guy now. I feel like, I feel old, and I let my hair grow out. I used to have this buzz cut, and I used to feel fucking, like, I don't know, that suited like me at the time. or something? Yeah, no, like, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, no, I just feel like... A, peaceful now I feel like an old dude at 26 mm-hmm. uh, everything's well chill. it sounds like you've lived a lot of life man like to be honest <laughs> fuck like you've had some crazy you've seen some shit right so I guess a little bit no there's people that have seen worse shit than me man I'm, I still think I have a very fortunate life so she's American um, obviously you're Australian I actually was seeing an Australian girl for a while and yeah we kind of came to the realization well this is going to be very difficult so are you is. are you uh, are you living stateside or spending a lot of time here now or yeah I like because uh, we come over here on a P one visa that lasts a year at, at a time we have is... a P two visa okay chill that's for Canadians only okay but it's I think it's thing. Australian only yeah, for P one yeah for a year yeah but um so I whenever I'm not uh, touring uh, I come straight back to Texas and I just try and stay with Bianca as much as I can perfect and uh, it's it's been working I mean I, this is the last. The, the the last week or so that I spent in Texas is the last time I'll be in Texas for another six months now. So we're going to go home to a ride a little bit. Got a bunch of uh, festivals to play and then we'll be back in uh, in December. Uh, but yeah, I, I probably won't see her for a, for a little while after that. She'll be on some more dates, but it'll be it'll be a little while now. Yeah, is it is it hard? Um, it must be hard juggling that though. I mean, even though you know just. With your band being from Australia, you guys have to go. You have to do writing, rehearsing, yep, recording. I'm sure you do that all in Australia. Mm-hmm. There's probably uh, like grant money maybe from the government. I don't know if that's an Australian thing. It's a Canadian thing. Yep, it is. 
Yeah, so all that has to be a thing. So is, that must be very difficult to juggle. Yeah. It must be some, some moments where you're like, fuck, I just want to like see her or whatever. Because, mm. you know, being a guy that's basically been in relationships my whole adult life, I can totally relate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a... Uh, shit. The, first, the like, When we first met each other, we spent some time with each other. And then we decided, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll make a thing of it. And then I spent a good six months away from her after that. Yeah. Which was... Uh, which was pretty intense, but I spent Christmas and Thanksgiving with her. Then I came home and did another like however many months. Then she came over to Australia for eight months. Then I went back there. So it's fifty-fifty, and mm-hmm. I do like desperately miss her, but uh, it's okay. I mean, we're making it work, and it's it's all right. I think this next like uh, we're now talking about okay, now where are we going to live, and let's uh, let's do the next thing. It's been it's been a couple years, so everyone's moving right. to Nashville. Just saying. Who, everyone moved in the Nashville? Where are you from, Saul? Arkansas. Arkansas. Don't move there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I like Texas. I've been living in a small yeah. town called Burleson. She doesn't want to live there anymore because she kind of like spent a lot of her time there. And it is a tiny, shitty small town where, is where it, nothing what, happens. Is it close to what major city? Dallas. Close or Fort Dallas, Worth. Yeah, Closer yeah. to Fort Worth. Cool. But um, it is this tiny little shitty city where nothing happens, nothing goes down. Not, like, it's... It's boring as hell out there. What are some of the things about America that, like, when you first started coming over here, you were like, that's so weird, like, as an Australian? There must have been some things. That I can buy guns in the same place I can buy a pack of Skittles. That was pretty <laughs> fucking weird to see. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in the, Canada, we can't even buy beer or wine in the same place we can buy a pack of Skittles. Yeah, right. You know? Well, we can, we can do that. Um, I don't know. What else was weird? Not, nothing too much really there's so a lot of homeless there's a hell of a lot of homeless I know it's because due to the population and like you're much America's much bigger than uh, than Australia uh, but um there's a lot of homeless a lot of people with injuries as well because you don't have free healthcare oh, I mean yeah. America doesn't have free healthcare so there's yeah. like you see people that will like I don't know do something fucked up to their knee and they can't afford to see the doctor so they let it set wrong and they just have a, a limp for the rest of their life and that's just it. And you, that's so common here. And it's like at home, if you hurt your knee, you go, oh, I better go to the doctor because it's right? fucking free. I mean, well, go and get your fucking knee fixed up. It's just common sense. Like, I know. I can't believe it doesn't happen here. I was like fairly old when I found out that America didn't have free health care. Like I, like I want to say I was like in my 20s when like something came up about something and they were in this accident. And it's like, yeah, so what? They went to the hospital? Yeah, well, there's hospital bills. Well, why are there hospital bills? Like, I didn't even understand. I couldn't wrap my head around that. And I still, like, it blows my mind. Not only that that uh, this is still a thing and they haven't figured it out yet, but but just that so many people are against it. Yeah. I'm like, what do you, why are you against it? We Every other country in the world has this. Yeah. You're the only, you're the last one left. Yeah. Why, what are you even fighting against? And, and, I, and I don't know what it is. I think a few people I've talked to, about it has said almost the almost mentioned homeless people and saying well those people shouldn't have the same rights that I have because they don't work and then and I say fuck that they have should absolutely have the same rights as you everybody should have the same rights mm. you know what I mean and why do they why are they there on the street mm. probably because you don't have free health care mm-hmm. because maybe they went maybe they had an accident maybe they lost all their money in an accident maybe they had Something, something wrong, um, psychologically, and they couldn't go get help because it, they couldn't afford it. Yeah. Whereas, like, if I have a problem, like, if you know, if I need medication for something wrong, like, 
you know, psychologically, I can go to the doctor for free. Yeah. I can get medicine that will help me, like, live. And, and in America, that's just not the case. Yeah. And a... so many problems stem from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange thing to see. I, yeah. It's it very different from home. And, uh, I don't know. I, I can't think of anything else. It was too weird. Um... I mean, LA looks like the movies. That was pretty cool. We got there, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, fuck!" Like this is—it actually looks exactly like it does, like in the movies. It's cool. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's funny. Uh, I was talking to Kate uh, from production. I don't know if you met her. She's great. But, you know, she, she um, we, were, we were talking about, I'm from Canada, she's from America. And I always thought some of the stuff in the movies, like the American movies, was just, like, not real. Mm. Like, um... Like the cheerleaders at the football game, at the high school football game, and there's like 50,000 people. Yeah. I was like, that's not like actual real. Like, that's yeah. like exaggerated or something. Yeah. And then like in Texas, that's it's, straight up what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. that blow your mind that a bunch of grown ass people in this small town are literally like, hey, like they're sitting at their like local bar and they're like, hey man, you got to see this 16 year old kid throw football. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's good. We're going to be, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to go to state next year. Yeah. It's like, they actually want to see a 17 year old kid, how far he can throw a football. People care about this. Yeah. Many, many people mm-hmm. care about this. And I yeah. honestly, remember that movie varsity blues. I don't know if you ever saw it with uh, Dawson, Dawson's Creek, James Vanderbeek. I saw that movie. I was like, what? Like, and the chicks are throwing themselves at, I'm like, there's no way this is like real life. And it's actually like that. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking incredible. The neighborhood I live in is like, it looks like uh, something out of Dazed and Confused. It's just like yeah. green, there's trucks everywhere. It's fucking, people play football. Like, like I go and see uh, uh, my girlfriend's little brother, Charlie, play baseball. And uh, he's eight. And it's still fucking packed. Like, the, the, the baseball is packed. It's like, yeah, everybody wants to see the sports. They love sports. Yeah. But I think it's awesome. Like, I think the... That's another thing different, like the sports culture. Australia has a very serious sports culture. Um, everybody's very fit. Everybody's lean. Everybody's healthy. The, uh, my mom always says, uh, I can't believe they, they care more about sport than literature in in schools in Australia, but mm-hmm. they most definitely do. They 100% do. And that's strange to see. But I think, yeah, that's like, you know, yeah, America expresses it in a different way, but it's very well, heavy health is based. important, you know? So yeah. I, I'm on board for that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. No, I I went to uh, so I went to high school. I actually played basketball in high school, and yeah, our games weren't very well attended. Yeah. But my um, my ex girlfriend's little brother was playing at my old high school, so I was like, oh fuck, I'll go like see him play basketball. Walk in the gym. I, I can't even believe this. I walked in the gym. There was zero people watching the high school basketball game. Not yeah. one. We we walked in the gym. Open the door. Everyone just like turned and looked. Like we have two spectators now. <laughs> That's how small high school f- like sports are yeah. in Canada. There was yeah. literally zero people. No, not even parents, brothers and sisters, friends. Like no one cares. Yeah, yeah. And then you talk about the, the you know these other sports and it's it's crazy. Do you have you know, like Aussie Rules is big in 
in Australia. I, I went to an Aussie Rules game actually mm-hmm. in Melbourne. It was sick. It was I think a lot that's a, that's a mostly Melbourne and uh, Western Australia kind of everything else except for New South Wales and Queensland. But in high school, but in high school. Sports do you have like is that like a thing? Do you have a similar thing to football where like the whole school comes and watches? Yeah, or not. There's a maybe not the whole school. We have like a national rugby league, which is kind of like a kind of like uh, what you guys call rugby. It's like union. We call it mm-hmm. rugby union. But it's, it's different sport, kind of easier, less pretty than union, but it's kind of a I don't know. It's it's just called national rugby league, and that's kind of the the New South Wales and Queensland sport. That's like. Yeah, yeah, but there's, so there's two different footballs in uh, in Australia, right? Um, I mean, there's a big soccer following; it's still growing bigger. I still think the biggest sport there is uh, Australian uh, football league, the AFL. But yeah, I don't know. There's not like there's still not that much attendees attendees at like uh, like I just mean more for you, like for youth, like for kids. Like, yeah, does yeah, anyone no, care? No one really cares. That Parents me, and siblings, like that's about it. yeah, that to me blew my mind when when I first you know came to America. How how that was real? I was like, there's no way that's real. It's yeah. real. So yeah. there you go. It happens. Uh, so it's, this is the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast, and we do talk about singing sometimes. Okay, <laughs> we so doing that much. Yeah, maybe we'll get there like forty okay. minutes in, but uh, sure. yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that. How, how's your voice hold up on tour? Warp tour is obviously a difficult beast. But yeah. hey, if you're fucked up for the first five days, you must not have too many problems with your voice. No, normally I don't. I, like my voice is always fine. Um, we we uh, except for yesterday, which is like fucking terrible. I don't know what happens. I went out and just like screeched to this really weird high pitched screech, like your first note of the set. <laughs> yeah, and then missed like <laughs> missed like three sentences, like three lines. I just kind of sat back and went like. What's happening? Like, is this a, is this a nightmare? Is this is this like a bad? It's okay, dream? you got twenty nine and a half more minutes to win yeah, them over. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> it was a bad one, but it's cool. Last warp tour, I didn't have a problem at all. Normally, my voice doesn't skip a beat. Uh, the last tour, it did because I got quite sick. But my voice is fine. I mean, I, I've always had this kind of like weird thing with my voice. That the more I bash it, the stronger it gets, and the easier it is to to sing. I smoke God, and it's... drink and <laughs> fucking. Living the fucking dream over here, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed, but um, I don't know. You want you want fucked it up. The first time in my life, I tried to vaporize it, where you put your face in the thing and you you get Vicks, and it puts Vicks into your throat, makes you all moist and right. clears yeah, your yeah, nose yeah. out and stuff. I did the right thing for once in my life yesterday, and then fucking totally destroyed the set. I couldn't sing. I went out and made some weird bird noise. Yeah, that's what happened. I remember we were on tour with we were talking about Alexa on Fire earlier before, and. Yeah. Uh, was on tour and I, I was talking to Dallas about fuck this is years ago it was like 13 years ago but I was talking to Dallas about oh what do you warm up what do you do and he goes nope I don't warm up at all I go not at all he goes nope not at all I go um really that's like that's like kind of crazy you know like you're obviously a great singer he goes I warmed up once completely lost my voice had the worst show ever decided yeah. not gonna warm up anymore that's it obviously that's a long time ago but hey I mean the thing is is to each is to each their own yeah and on this show like I talked to somebody like Vic from Pierce the Veil that mm-hmm. dude warms up for like an hour yeah you know and then there's other guys I don't do much warming up either but the no. other guys like they really do do you do a lot of warm ups or I do the the weird like uh, tonal ones like the raspberries like that stuff and uh, mm-hmm. then like a, a scale I go up and down and if I can be asked I'll do it again and then I'll, I'll go sing but like a lot of the time I'll just 
be drinking and they'll be like all right time to go and i'm like oh and then i like stand on the side of the stage and everyone's sitting up going as much as i can so i'm like fuck what do i do i miss it again and then i'll just jump on and sing and it just comes flying out you know it's, it's all right yeah 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 no it's it's funny uh, i'm i'm that way too in a little bit like i'll just be like oh shit what time is it well i guess i'm going on in these clothes and yeah i'm doing you know i'm doing this set like this whereas other guys are very gotta get in my mode gotta get my clothes on gotta get my yeah. you know so yeah. you're a little bit more of a chilled out dude in that, yep. in that respect Just walk on you know, i actually i interviewed uh, jason butler once i asked him the same question because uh jason not, from let live yeah and like I don't really know the band that well uh, at all even like I don't know any of their songs really I don't I don't listen to them uh, as a fan well they're awesome I, I know so. I know they are yeah like I, you know uh, the millions of people can't be wrong they have a giant fan base and really dedicated fan base but um millions of people can definitely be wrong I guess I'm so, yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to stop you right there uh, there can, are can, bands like Nickelback that are selling oh, yeah. out arenas anyways go on maybe stadiums go on <laughs> well uh, okay so I interviewed him uh, because I'm such a fan of his uh, life presence, his stage performance. Yeah. Like, uh, he's a really interesting guy and a fantastic frontman. Probably one of the best in this scene. Um, I mean, not probably, like, definitely one of the best in this scene. He's a great frontman. And uh, I asked him, like, how do you warm up? And he said, my way is just, like, trying to forget that I'm going to play a show. Like, just put it out of my head. And when I walk out there, the shock hits me that fuck I'm here and I've just got to go blah and just Amazing. like that's how he said he does it and I was like that's incredible that's really smart like that's because of that randomness I, be- I like kind of believe it though well, when like, you watch I him, think it's that's like, true yeah. yeah when you watch him you, you think like nobody you can't rehearse this <laughs> like where are you going to rehearse a backflip and then ride the security guard around on his no. back and like well, punch stuff in the face like he's been on the show before right anybody right. interested can go back and listen to our previous episodes uh, and uh, yeah, I asked him some questions about that. Like, hey, when you get into a venue, are you like scoping it out? Like, looking, hey, can I hang off this? Can I yeah, jump yeah, off yeah. this? And he said, like, no, I don't. You yeah. know, it's all very natural. And I think that that's part of what makes it so compelling. Exactly. Yeah. You're watching a man literally uh, like make it up as he goes. Total like. So that's kind of what you're trying to do a little bit now, like sort of channel that. No, man. Oh God, no! I sit there and stress, <laughs> and then I drink because I'm so fucking stressed, and then I get out there and I go, "Oh fuck, I'm here!" Hello, everybody. I'm sorry. You're about to, this is about to happen to you. Yeah, I need to pee. I always I have like a uh, a stage pee, uh, like two minutes two minutes before I go to play, it happens, and I say, "Excuse me, everybody," and I run away, and then I normally I'm back on time. No one's ever waiting for me to play. I'm, I make sure of that. I couldn't okay. have it. Yeah. No. No Axl Rose. Uh, no Axl Rose in it. No. 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 <laughs> uh, well, thanks, man. Hey. Um, yeah. So I, I just before I let you go, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I want to talk about your record real quick, and I guess you must have another one in the works, or is you starting to work on it? But that record was. It's really something special, and and. I went on the record saying, like, it's my favorite record of the last year, mm-hmm. and I really, really like it, and maybe you just, just, I don't I don't really have a question, I just kind of want to know what was going through your head when you were, guys were writing it, when you were working on, I assume you read a lot of lyrics and melodies, like, what was kind of going through your head about, hey, like, what is this record going to be, and was there a time when you were either rec- writing it, recording it, or after it was finished, when you were like... We might have made something pretty special here. Uh, it's hard to say. 
there was still pressure. It was it was much more relaxed than any other record we've ever done. We've always done every record under a very strict timeline, and we've pushed it and we've left it to the last thing, the last minute every time. This time it was more. Uh, we weren't afraid of... I look at a lot of bands now and they're afraid of their fans. They're afraid, like, if they bring out a record that doesn't sound exactly like the last one they wrote and also nothing like the last one they wrote, then no one's going to like them. Mm-hmm. These kids give bands a fucking impossible task of, like, write the exact thing I want to hear from you or I'm going to boycott you and start telling you your shit. And then everybody's going to tell you your shit. We're never going to come to your shows again and that's the last album you're ever going to write. That happened to uh, Four Years Strong, one of the fucking best best bands in the scene and they wrote that rock album and everyone gave them fucking hell and it was an excellent record because they didn't play breakdowns and everyone was like oh you sellouts or like you fucked up and it's like I don't know that that is terrifying when you're right. writing a record right. you've got like people go oh must be nice to have no boss it's like not really I have tens of thousands of bosses and they all decide whether or not I fucking I make any money whatsoever you know what I mean like yeah that's how it works so when you're writing a record, yes, yeah, stress gets you, man, and it fucking kills you. Well, especially but, the second record. Like, everyone knows the, you know, the sophomore record is the one that's going to make or break you. Apparently, So yeah. there's a lot of pressure there. It just, it's just the way it is. No mm. band has ever put out a bad second record and recovered. It's never happened. That's right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it, was, uh, it was nerve-wracking. But to say, to be honest, we've always, we've never tried to be a, pop punk band or a, or a hardcore band or a rock band we've always been more focused on trying to get the things we like into something that makes sense that we can portray at the time when we wrote uh, Men Move On I think we mixed mm-hmm. them poorly and it came out as definitely a mashup of alternative music and whatever but it, was, it, it wasn't done right or not to the capacity that we wanted it to be and with, uh, with uh, Chemical Miracle we took our time, we sat back and we said, let's just fucking write some music. Fuck songs, fuck genres, fuck any of this. Like, we're going to hate you if this, if this record sucks. We just said, let's just write some songs we want to like. Let's take that pressure off and have fun for once. Like, you know, let's slow down. And we did. You know, we, we took two years, practically two years off writing. We just toured. And we stopped touring. We said, all right, let's write some songs. So, you know, at home I was writing songs into my phone and to garage bands with the the little microphone on the um, on my earphones that's right. how I was recording I was ta- wow. taping that to my guitar and playing the songs onto that that's how I wrote like um, um, Chlorine I yeah. think I was like actually the first song for that new record even maybe I can't remember and that was how I wrote Heaven Sent same way dun, 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 dun. do that got that riff and I was like huh that would go good with this dun, dun, dun. so I put them over each other, made a thing. And like, I don't know, those songs just came out naturally. The The lyrics were more about, less about what used to happen to me and more about like this, where I am at 25 and what I want to do and where my friends are and mm-hmm. how I think of myself and how I, what's in, what are the questions in my brain now instead of like, when I was a kid, like, when am I, you know, like I'm enjoying partying, which is kind of like men move on and like I hate myself for partying and all that kind of shit. Now it was like, you know, I'm a bit older and uh, things have slowed down and it's like things cross your mind. Like, what is life? What is death? Where do I belong? How do I get here? What am I supposed to be doing? Like, and like, 
you know, how important is my family and my friends and and what do I mean to them and what do they mean to me and what is that comparison and things like that. And that was all about that record. Like a just a just right. an honest recount of being twenty five. If if I could, like a that was it. And uh we were writing and we actually fell behind. We didn't get all the content together we wanted and I started to like fucking lose my mind. I was writing traveling to practice in Newcastle living in Sydney so traveling two yeah. hours on a train after work practicing for three hours four hours sometimes five hours then taking a train back to work uh, and then working the next morning sleeping like two hours going to work the next morning yeah. working the whole day because I had to pay my rent paying ridiculous rent in Sydney sure and it was going nuts man it was going f- and like I thought I can't I'm losing my mind there's no way I'm going to get the songs together for this record now this is towards the end and the boys were writing their own songs as well, and it was like everything was coming together, but it wasn't quite right yet. Uh, you know, I was neglecting my girlfriends, like coming home from work, and just like I think I like I was a little bit depressed even just sitting there, just being like, huh, like watching TV and being like, you, you know, I was a, I just wasn't there. I was totally vacant. All I could think about is music, constantly a song in my head. Yeah. Even in the shower, I was singing a song that I wrote, and it was just driving me nuts. But uh, I mean. We got what we could together. We went to Thailand. We put it all out on the on the table with Shane. You went to Thailand? Yeah, with Shane Edwards in Karma Studios. That's where That's we always where you go. you made the record? Yeah. In Thailand? Yeah. I didn't know that. You've got to go, dude. It's so good. This is, Shane Edwards is our boy as well. He's like, he's the best. He's the best dude. And we put all the, the songs out on, on the table. And he said like, all right, this one stays. This one sucks. This one's good. This one's shit. So he had a pretty one. big role in... in you know, in the creative process. Yeah, but, but uh, like we used to butt heads with him all the time because he he he's got a great musical ear and he knows what sounds good and what will do well. And he practically handmade the Australian music scene, like the music heavy scene. Anyway, that was him. He started all of those bands like North Lane and uh, In Hearts Wake and right. all that shit. He recorded that. all these records are made in Thailand. No, they used to be made in Blacktown, but in Sydney, moved, by him. But he moved to Thailand. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So we followed him. We're like, he's the guy. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, went back with him, and we said, we, we, we wanted like to sound like this. Like, I don't know what this sound is, but whatever the fuck it is. And he's yeah. like, yeah. He's like, this is kind of like a classic record. It's familiar, but I've never heard it before. And he's like, that's, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. And we were like, well, let's make that happen. He did. So he, then, you could tell he knew something that it was a special record. Then, yeah, he could see something we couldn't yet. Right. I think we were all still having our doubts even by this point. Well, it's hard when you're on the inside looking out like that too. You know, and he was totally able to have more of a okay, you know, uh, just a you know, straight opinion. This is what I'm hearing, and this is this is what's good. And this was yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was how it happened. And not well, until kind of like we got like five songs in, we started hearing them back. We thought like, huh. Like this is a this is a real fucking jam. We got some really good songs. There we go. They're, they're, they're weird. They're fresh. It's good. Yeah. And like that's the only time I've well, ever listened a, to that so much. I'm a huge fan of the record. So, um, what's coming up next? When can we expect another the third record? And uh, what do you got going up touring and all that stuff? What's going on next? Well, uh, we'll be touring uh, for the rest of this year uh, in Australia. Hopefully, we get back to America. Uh, by the end of the year uh, there will be you know we're always writing uh, I can't see when the next record yeah, will be you got, I, I walked be, on your bus and you guys like have guitars you guys are like full on jamming in your bus which you don't see that often yeah 
well it's nice to stay yeah. creative and uh, keep, the, keep the juices great. going absolutely but um yeah I mean when it's time it's time like we're, uh, I think uh, that process worked out for us very well the, the taking our time and being chill with it and being relaxed and I guess is what we're doing now and maybe early next year maybe mid next year sometime next year we'll go record so that might mean the album might come out 2018 even like you never know so sure we'll see that sounds perfect well John yeah. thanks for taking the time man appreciate All the best. it man. Yeah. thank you very much yeah cheers cheers so there is my chat with John and make sure if you guys are coming out to Warp Tour that you go over and you check out Trophy Eyes they really are one of the best bands out there right now and what they're doing musically it's very different it's not like everybody else but it isn't some kind of trend or something that's just like cool and aesthetically cool it really really does have a lot of substance to it also if you come out to Warp Tour maybe check out Silverstein who knows hey I'll be there and if you see me walking around Warp Tour be sure to stop me say hello sometimes I look like I'm in a hurry I got my hat on my sunglasses on I never mind stopping for a second and saying hello especially to sinners that's what I call you guys you know my sinners and other fans of the show. So I really do appreciate all the love and support. And uh, always love to hear that you guys appreciate what I'm doing here with this podcast. Anyways, we'll be back next week. I'll have another episode of some kind. And of course, there's going to be a lot of bonus episodes. So if you're part of the All Access Club, look forward to a lot of those. Because I'm going to be talking to a whole bunch of people out here on the Warp Tour. I will leave you with a tune. I know some of you guys haven't even heard Trophy Eyes before. I'm going to give to you the first track on their new record, Chemical Miracle. Here is a banger. It's called Chlorine. Have a great week. See you next week.
saw you around Friends of friends What does that mean to you now? I heard everybody came When they put you in the ground